0: You ever fail. Are you listening?
1: <laughs> Yo, what's going on, everybody? This is Marcus Murray from Black Married and Dead Free. And yes, you have heard correctly. Shira Murray and I have decided to step out into the podcast world to share with you some really, really dope content. For those of you who do not follow us on our YouTube channel, shameless plug, Shira and I are a 30-something millennial couple that paid off over $110,000 in debt in 2017. And we are passionate about sharing exactly how we did that with others. In this episode, we had the opportunity to sit down with Aman and Christina from Our Rich Journey. They are dropping super nuggets in this episode and you don't want to miss it because these two are one year away from early retirement. They're sharing their investment strategies their real estate story how they've been able to travel the world for free and how they live fearlessly we know you're going to enjoy this podcast hey what's going on everybody this is marcus murray and i'm here with my lovely wife
2: shira murray
1: and once again i'm smiling i'm cheesing i'm excited because we're going to be able to sit down with two individuals that uh are just killing it on youtube right now uh they're people that we look up to and that we, you know, enjoy their content. So we wanted to bring them to you and ask them just a few questions, uh, pick their brains. We have Aman
2: and Christina from, from our, our Rich, Rich Journey. Journey. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I
0: like that intro.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So thank you guys for being on. Before we really dive in, can you just do a huge favor and just tell our listeners a little bit about yourself?
2: Yeah. Okay.
3: So we're Aman and Christine, of course, from Our Journey. Thank you so much, first of all, for having us on your podcast. We're super excited. But just a little bit about ourselves. Aman and I are married. We've been married for almost 15 years and we have two girls, ages 10 and 12. And we live in Japan. We live about an hour away from Tokyo and we live and work in Japan. So I'm an attorney and Aman is a city planner. And we're about a year away from financial independence, wow. give or take a couple of months.
1: <laughs> Guys, for, for those of you who are listening, if you're not familiar with Our Journey, they teach a lot on uh, you know financial independence as they just shared about financial literacy. I mean, they're just, they have a wealth of knowledge. So that's why we wanted to bring them on. Investing, I mean, just so many really cool things. Exactly. So what, what I wanna know is uh, what sparked you all to begin uh, sharing content on YouTube. What what's what got you started in in even hopping on YouTube? That's a, that's a really great question because we use YouTube for basically
0: everything. We don't have cable, so we spend a lot of time uh, getting our content from YouTube. But we really like the how-to videos on YouTube, like how how to uh, how to work out uh, certain dishes we want to learn how to cook and we also use it for our uh, real estate investing so we did a lot of renovations uh in the past and we use youtube videos to learn how to do those renovations and so when it came to uh, financial independence we thought that we could share our own financial independence journey and story talk about the things that we've done and the direction that we're going in with financial independence and so we try to get into a lot of detail in our videos because for us the youtube videos that provide the steps are the most valuable ones because you can you can you can visualize you can see someone actually doing it and then by seeing them doing it you can go out and do that exact same thing or you can put your own spin on it so that's what we try to do with our channel we we talk about uh like you said uh, uh earning money making money and investing money and it's all in pursuit of financial independence that is our goal
3: And part of the thing, too, is that, you know, when we learn these things, we're like, we do, we learned about travel hacking from one of Amon's coworkers, and we're like, we should have known this earlier, like, it's such a great thing to know, you know, all these things that we learn, we're like, hey, if we would have known this even earlier, we'd have been even, you know, closer to financial independence now. It's like these things that we wish we would have known earlier. So we're like, why don't we start this YouTube channel? We're so excited about the topic and really share this with people so that they have this information earlier rather than just sort of stumbling across it.
2: Right. So as you're talking, I hear you mentioned financial independence, and I know that the fire movement as you know it's it's new well it's new to some people and so that has a lot to do with financial independence so can you share a little bit um with our listeners on about fire and what that means
3: yeah so fire stands for financial independence retire early and it's this concept of just retiring early so in general people think that you know you have to wait until you're 59 and a half to retire because that's when your benefits start kicking in or some people work well beyond 59 and a half before they retire and this whole fire movement is this movement to really illustrate to people that you don't have to wait until you're 59 and a half to retire you don't have to wait until after that to retire you can actually do it earlier. And it's this concept of properly saving and properly investing. Because the idea with retiring at 59 and a half or later is that, you know, you save about 5% of your income or 10% of your income, and then you'll be set to retire at 59 and a half. But this whole fire movement is this idea of what if you save more than 5%? What if you save more than 10%? You know, Aman and I have this video where we talk about how we save 70% of our income. And it's really snowballing to this this amount of money where we are so much closer to retiring and you know 59 and a half is way down the line but because we're pursuing fire and investing and saving in this sort of unique realm or unique way we are able to have our sights on retiring a lot earlier
0: and I want to I want to add to that because you know we talk a lot about hiring the bar so most people assume they're doing well if they're saving five to 10% of their income, right? And if you if you do that, you will retire in the traditional manner, you know, at 59, 60, 65. And even at that savings rate, you probably won't retire comfortably, right? But we raise the bar. We say, if you save 20, 30, 40, 50% of your income, you can move that data up even, even sooner. And for us, financial independence means that the sooner we can retire, the sooner we can do things that we enjoy doing. I mean, don't get us wrong. We like our jobs, but it's not our passion project, right? No. We, would, we would prefer to be financially independent and have our money working for us instead of us working for our money. So that, you know, the thing with financial independence is that the passive income that you have, uh, you know, that your, that your assets kick off that is what sustains you. That is what pays your expenses, and it gives you the freedom to do whatever you want to do. So that's awesome. And
2: I, I like that that you said that. One thing that we say is true: financial freedom isn't debt freedom. And I know we talk a lot about that on our channel, but the true financial freedom is passive income. Mm-hmm. And so, in terms of uh, building, you know, passive incomes, what are what are recommendations for that? Oh mm-hmm. uh, well, you know, the
3: the probably one of the easiest ways is really. St- stock market investments, right? You put your money in and it completely works for you, right? So you can do, I mean, the idea is for us, we have videos on investing in uh, the individual stocks, but also in index funds. So I think the best way to make our money grow passively is investing in index funds. It just grows and grows and grows. You know, we also invest in real estate, but real estate isn't as passive as stock market investing. You know, you, there's a lot of work involved with that, especially because we do a lot of rehab on property. So that's definitely not passive. I mean, once you get to the point where you're collecting rent, it's a little it's a little more passive, but definitely stock market investment is the most passive way for us.
0: And there, and there, and there are certainly other forms of passive income, but we like to talk about the things that that work for us. I mean, we, we try to, we we try not to say like, this is what you, what you should do. And we haven't done it. So for us, it has been investing in the stock market. It has been investing in real estate and we have a couple of side hustles, but the side hustles aren't necessarily passive at this point. Eventually they may become passive. Um, You know, we may collect royalties from our, from our side hustles. We may set up digital downloads that pay us, uh, you know forever but at this point our passive income comes from real estate
1: and stock investing got gotcha, you gotcha. nice now now while you're there one of the one of your videos that just got me so hyped first of all all of your videos are great but the <laughs> one that is like an eye-opener was the one when you were talking about investing in a particular index fund mm. and you said it's, it's very popular uh within the fire movement uh, a lot of uh individuals, you know, invest in this particular index fund and I had honestly I had never heard of it mm-hmm. Shire and I our story is was was kind of rooted in getting out of debt mm-hmm. so I think we started that journey a little you know later than we wanted to and now we're in the mode of where you guys have already kind of been and that's you know the, the, the fire kind of mode so I was particularly interested when you spoke about that that particular index fund can you share a little bit about that
0: you also said something that I want to I want to pause on for a minute. So you guys are in the phase now where you paid off debt, and now you have all of this excess money because instead of paying off debt, now you have that opportunity to invest it, right? So that to us is the most powerful position to be. You are you are actually at like the third uh, stage of financial of, of financial independence because you are in that point where you are going to be accumulating assets. So for us the The way that we have been the most successful is by investing in the total stock market. So when people think about investing in, especially new investors, they always think about buying individual stocks. They want to try to buy the next Apple, the next Amazon, and they want to see those stocks double, triple, quadruple. But no one really knows which stocks those are going to be. I mean, you can do a whole lot of research, but hey, we're parents. We have we have jobs. We coach sports. We don't have time to do all the research on individual stocks. Right. And really, most individuals can't beat this, can't can't pick the right stocks and beat the total stock market. Right. So that's right. why BTSAX, which is an index fund that tracks the total stock market, is the easiest way to get started, but it's also the most efficient way to build wealth. Right. You see, it returns. What the total stock market returns, and if you look at history, the total stock market, all the stocks together, when looked at together, it always goes up. So that's why we like investing in the total stock market because BTSAX and there's and there's there's many other index funds that track the total stock market. We just we just like this one, uh, BTSAX. It has over three thousand stocks in it, and some stocks will fall out, but other stocks will move back in. So it's a self-cleansing fund. And the way the stock market works is the most successful ones will move forward. So if you're investing in the total stock market, you're investing in the success of of the economy of society. And so that's why we like to say, if you want to get started and invest, if you want to pursue financial independence, the most efficient way to do it is to put your money in the total stock market. Because time has proven that it it will always go up
3: and it's really the ultimate diversification right so you're invest this it it invests in more than three thousand companies so you know aman had mentioned if you just invest in a single company like google or facebook if it does bad then you lose all your money right btsax tracks the whole entire stock market and the stock market goes up year after year i mean on average And so it's just a safer investment to make. And it also, like Amon says, doesn't require someone that's new to investing to really understand the spreadsheets of a company and look at everything the company is doing because you're investing in all of the companies. So it's just a a great investment.
2: So that is great information. And I know we might have a listener who is like, Oh my gosh, this sounds so good, but I don't know how to do this. I don't know where to start. I don't know what to do. So <laughs> like, if, if we have someone that's listening that's kind of um, in, in that um, place in their financial journey, what, uh, what advice could you give to them?
3: Well, we have a video. I mean, it's so simple to invest in an index fund like DTSAX. So it's a Vanguard index fund and you can seriously create a Vanguard account in less than 10 minutes, right? We even have a video on how to do one on Fidelity, but they're very similar in terms of brokerage firms that it really takes 10 minutes to create an account and get started. I mean, it's, I think it's more of like, people are not as familiar with stocks, I think. So they think there's, there's a lot of I guess scariness involved in it. You know, it's like, I don't know what to do. I don't know where to invest. I don't know how to put my, where to put my money because people don't talk about investing in stocks every day like people do with real estate. People are familiar with real estate. They live in a home, they either buy it or they rent it. So they're more familiar with real estate, but index funds are actually a lot easier to get started in than investing in real estate. So for people that want to know what to do, I would just suggest go pick, for example, if they want BTSAX, Go to the Vanguard site. It's an online brokerage account that you can set up. Set that up in ten minutes and just get started. Yeah.
0: And, and I think it was, I think it was you, Marcus, in one of your um, uh, Instagram stories. You talked about how how someone can set up a an uh, a iTunes account or a um, or a music account, mm-hmm. right? And they can <laughs> set that up in, in, in ten minutes. I think it was a Spotify oh. account. Right, it's that easy. If you can set up a Spotify account, if you can set up a Netflix account, you can invest in in in, in, in index fund.
1: It really takes less than ten minutes. Right, right. You know, as you were talking, uh, Christina, I started thinking. You know, there's a lot of fear around uh, investing. There's a lot of distrust. Like, ah, I don't know. You know, that sounds too complicated. And what I really admire about you guys, not just with the way that you invest and the way that you pursue fire, but just you know, in your travel, and you guys aren't yeah. don't seem scared to do stuff. I mean, what what? Where does that stem from? That you guys just like, you know, what we're just gonna jump out there. You know what I mean? Like, where does that come from with you guys? <laughs> well,
3: yeah, I think we've always been like adventurous. You know, Aman and I have been skydiving before. I like traveled on my own to Morocco. Didn't have a place to stay or anything. Just ended up there and stayed with people. I mean, we, I think we just have this adventurous side to us because we're like why can't we do what we want to do like there's nothing stopping us if we want to travel somewhere we can travel somewhere and we feel like we take we can take calculated risks and if something happens and we completely fail it's okay we can start over you know we're not at a stage in our life where we're so dependent on being successful and we if we fail we're you know we're lost and we don't know what to do we still have so many options to us. We don't feel like we want to hold ourselves back because if we take an opportunity, it could be a huge success and go really well for us. Just like when we moved abroad for the first time versus if we're apprehensive about doing certain things, you know, we could lose out on, on a lot of opportunities or a lot of things, successes.
0: Yeah, well, I'll add to that. I think fear keeps a lot of people stagnant. Right. So, you know, we, uh, we're we're fearless we really are afraid of nothing and how we've overcome that fear is just by doing our research so people people will just throw out random scary numbers and you see it on the news all the time and we're like that doesn't make any sense at all so we'll do some we'll do some follow up research but i think our our fearlessness comes from just you know where we came from our background right. you know my parents took me and my brothers to West Africa when we were kids, and they they lived and worked abroad. Wow. So and they did that. They dropped literally everything, took us there, and just we had an adventure for five years in Nigeria. Wow. I don't know two people who who go to Nigeria. It's mostly other people coming here. My parents said we're going back to Africa. <laughs> really? So 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 and they were doing it at a time when 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 black people didn't do those types of things. Right. Right. They, they didn't. They didn't. They didn't have the internet. They didn't have any research to tell them what was gonna be in Africa. They just showed up. Right? So <laughs> we do that. We we we've done that a number of times with our girls. We took our girls to Thailand uh, when one was six months old, right? And people are like, "You're taking a baby to Thailand?" And we're like,
3: "Why not? They're babies
0: in Thailand, aren't they?" You know. <laughs> so it's just. It's just. Don't let don't let people uh, put fear in your mind and in your heart, because there's really nothing to fear. I mean, we 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 talk a lot just about overcoming those challenges and overcoming that fear by just doing your own research. Uh,
1: Man, that's that's great. That's great. I'm sitting for those for the listeners out there. I know you can't see what's going on, but you know when you're not the smartest person in the room, you know. Oh come (laughs) on.
0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America
2: NA, member FDIC. We are in awe. We've been talking about this. We were were talking about how you guys are so fearless. Mm -hmm. Like we live down the street from our parents. Like we live in the same city for, you know, for so many years, you know. So um, I was wondering if you could speak to being um, a couple of color and traveling to these Well, traveling, you know, abroad and living abroad in your experience, um, just, you know, as a person of color. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think a
3: person of color traveling, you get a different perspective, right? Like, there's certain parts in the United States that we wouldn't necessarily live. We wouldn't feel so comfortable living. But living abroad as a person of color, I mean, we travel all over the place like amon said we've been to thailand we've been to portugal we've been to uh, all over france spain singapore i mean we travel all over the world and we get different perspective perspectives in terms of different cultures from the different countries that we visit but i mean I feel like we have it's it's just that we've had a really great experience traveling abroad, meeting different people. I mean, we live in Japan where it's very, you know, homogenous. There the the Japanese people are it's it's not like the United States where there's a lot of diversity in color and stuff like that, but in Japan, I mean, people are so incredibly welcoming, so kind. Our daughter plays on an all Japanese basketball team. They only speak Japanese and they treat her like she is one of them. I mean, we are really fortunate in, in these experiences that we've had abroad. Yeah.
0: And I, I think, you know, in in most countries, there aren't a lot of black people in those countries, right? I mean like I mean like in Europe and in Asia, many of those countries you, you don't really see a lot of people that look like you. But especially in Asia, you don't see a lot of people that, that look like you. And you don't really see a lot of people that aren't Asian either. Right? So even if you even if you're not a person of color, if you're if you're a white person traveling in Japan, you're going to stick out. If you're a Mexican traveling in Japan, you're going to stick out. No matter what ethnicity you are, if you're not that 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 ethnic, ethnicity in Asia, you're going to stick out. So but what we do when we go to those countries is we respect the culture. So we understand that we are not in the U.S. anymore when we travel, and we try to approach every country with that type of respect. We learn the, we learn about the culture, we try to learn as many phrases as possible, and when we go into the, that country, it, it, it just, it, it makes the transition so smooth for us. And having our daughters with us, I think has really been amazing to see because they are little sponges, so they both play uh, on this on this Japanese basketball team, and they also swim. And we can just let them go, and we can, you know, we can leave. We can leave them alone because they know how to assimilate. They're fearless. Also, they came to Japan with no friends, with no language. and They were like, "Daddy, let's go, <laughs> right?" And and, and and you know, it's interesting. So we we came from uh, we were living in Oakland, and we came. To Japan, right, and so and so, my daughters have kind of that Oakland mentality, right? Yeah. They want to represent, you're right? You know what right. I mean? So, so they so they go to Japan, and and when they get here, kids ask them where they're from, and they're like, "We're from Oakland," and no one knows <laughs> Oakland is, right? Okay. Uh, but but they have they have a lot of confidence, yeah. As well. So so that's been really great to see them really flourish in all these new environments. Um, and we're we're so thankful to be on this adventure with you. Man, that, that's amazing.
1: Yeah. Speaking of adventure, I can't help but notice uh, following you all on Instagram and on social media that you guys do a lot of traveling. And you did a video specifically about the travel hacking, and I, mm-hmm. that just kind of blew my mind too because I had never heard of it. I had heard that that phrase used, but I never, you know, had it broken down the way you guys did. Can can you break a little bit of that down for our listeners?
3: yeah so when we discovered travel hacking it opened a window for us i mean we travel we traveled a lot before and now all we do is travel because of travel hacking so what it is basically is you take out credit cards that have high bonus points and you use those bonus points to for airfare or hotels So one of the caveats that I have to say, though, for any listeners that are really excited about this, you know, Aman and I have never had any credit card debt We always, whenever we have a credit card payment, we pay the whole thing in full, not just the minimum. So really credit card hacking, it involves taking a lot lot of credit cards out in order to get these bonus points. So it's really for people that feel very secure with using credit cards, who are able to pay off the entire credit card at the end of the month so that they are not getting into debt in the process of traveling more because that completely defeats the purpose. But when we discovered travel hacking, we just started taking out all these credit cards, getting all these bonus points, and we travel at least to three foreign locations a year. I mean, usually more now, but I mean, at a minimum three, and we go all over the place. We're able to take the girls. One time we got it wasn't first class, but it was a business class seat yes. to Singapore yes. Yes. with the girls, which we're, we're about saving money. So there's no way we would pay business class seat for our family afford to go to Singapore. But Travel Hacking allowed us to do that.
1: Wow, that's amazing. That's amazing. I think that's so cool. Uh, now, you guys mentioned uh, a topic that I'm very interested in, which is real estate. And when mm-hmm. me and Shire, we were sitting up in the room and we will turn you guys YouTube on on the big screen. And when we heard the real estate story, we about fell out. (laughs) Can you guys tell us a little bit about your real estate investment story?
0: So (laughs) it it, it is a very uh, unique story, but I think it it all comes from just having like that hustle mentality, right? So we started investing in real estate right out of college and we did it with absolutely no money. Uh, We did something that's called a, uh, a lease option. And so we did this lease option and we acquired this, this property. We lived in it, but we, uh, but we hacked the property while we lived in it. So we had roommates. So we actually had our roommates paying for the lease option. Um, uh, at some point the market had gone up really fast in San Diego. This is where we did this. And so we sold the lease option to another investor and we made, um, some pretty good money right. and so we used that money to actually buy our buy buy our first property in San Diego and so like ever since then we have always been looking for these different angles when it comes to investing in real estate because if we try to approach it from the traditional standpoint um, you know we'd be like everyone else we'd be we'd be competing with the rest of the pack and we don't have all the resources that maybe big-time investors have so we have to find our own little angle. So we did this video on how we um, made $400,000 investing in real estate. And uh, fast forward from San Diego uh, to uh, to our time in Oakland, California. And so Oakland is a very expensive market, right? The, the whole Bay Area was right. super expensive. And in 2000, it was like late 2013 that we bought our house in Oakland. And um, first of all, the competition was so high that we had to figure out a different way to go about buying buying a property because we just couldn't compete. So what we did is we looked at communities that were up and coming, right? And then we started focusing on those communities, but then focusing on a time of year in those communities. Mm -hmm. So people are not out looking at housing during the, during the, during the holidays, during Thanksgiving and Christmas. And we have bought uh, three properties in the Bay area and some of them had have closed on Christmas Eve or New Year's Eve, mm-hmm. and and when when we were looking at those properties, sometimes we were the only people looking at them. Wow. So our first property that we bought was our own uh, house, um, but we bought it because it was a it was a fixer upper, and we knew that we could we could put all this equity into it. Mm-hmm. And we closed on that house. I think it was like uh, uh, Christmas Eve or something like that. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, so with that house we did all the diy and all the renovation stuff ourselves but we did it in a way that uh, if you watch this video we we had to do a video because people don't believe us when we say how we how we did this but we renovated our house for basically 10 percent of the actual cost to renovate a home i mean we saved hundreds of thousands of dollars because we were employing all these different renovation hacks
3: Yeah, so, um, I mean, we, you're glossing over it because I feel like it's it's a big hack. You know, finding a property that, it's not completely dilapidated, but it's been sitting on the market in a great area that just needs some rehab. And so we thought we can rehab it ourselves, right? We completely, for this first house, we completely re-gutted out the kitchen, redid the kitchen, added a bathroom, knocked down uh, like different shelvings on walls, and just completely renovated the house and got a huge profit from that and then used that to purchase other properties. But that was sort of our hack. how we could even get into a really saturated market where everyone's overbidding was really finding our niche of finding these properties that are not selling as quickly. And we knew that we could invest our own time and work into these properties to force some equity in them.
1: Yeah, that, that, that's amazing. Uh, I like how you shared um, another video kind of on, on in that same topic. You shared exactly how you were Able to get the supplies for the kitchen and, and oh. that just—you guys had me at, at, at IKEA the next the next weekend. <laughs> yeah, we.
3: We're, oh my gosh! Like, Amon went to IKEA the most. I, right, I so, love IKEA. Yes,
0: I, I love. And you know, I discovered I discovered that hack because I was in there and and I said, "What is you know what mm-hmm. is going on over there in the corner?" <laughs> and they had kitchen counters, they had shelves, they had everything in the as is section right. of IKEA for like 10, like a kitchen counter was $10. And I had to call Christine over. I said, you ain't gonna, you ain't gonna believe this. Thing. Look at this kitchen counter. And so when we started putting together our kitchen, we actually designed it in the Ikea studio. Mm-hmm. And then we pillaged the as-in section to get all the pieces. Wow. So we built our kitchen, and then we had seen other, other things in there that were heavily discounted. So we grabbed those things too, because we knew we could resell them.
3: Yeah, I mean, it wasn't even stuff that we needed at that yeah. point. It was like, this is such a great deal, so we'd buy it and then we'd resell it and get a profit from that too. Yeah, it's just, yeah. I mean, just always thinking of, hey, how can we make this work to our advantage? Yeah,
0: we we were we were so proud of the, of this particular hack that we left the price tags on like some of the cabinets on the inside of the cabinet <laughs> because people would come over and I'd be like, I bought this hundred dollar cabinet for ten dollars. And they they
1: would say get out of here, man. I said nope. Open up the cabinet. <laughs> we were so proud of that, man. That's 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 amazing, man. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> when I heard that, I was just like, whoa. So um, so a show that we you know everybody may be familiar with, right? The Susie Orman show, right? We, we're familiar ah. with that. <laughs> yeah,
3: yeah.
1: And, and that's a cool show, right? Yeah. That's a cool show because people call in, they ask questions. So we have a hypothetical Susie Orman style question for you, right? All right. So we have family A, okay? They have $20,000 saved as 3 months of their living expenses. They currently have this money in just a money market account or a, your average checking account. Let's say let's say a money market account. Is this the best place to keep their money or do you recommend them maybe doing something else with money? Is that, is that the best place to store an emergency fund in your opinion?
3: <laughs> okay, so In my opinion, I think it is a good place to store your money in general. I'd say the bulk of your money. Keep it in a sort of high interest savings account, right? Because the idea of an emergency fund is it needs to be something that you can access quickly, right? So you don't want it in the stock market because if the stock market plummets for some reason, then you're pulling out money and you're taking a hit on it. So it's it's a great place to have it to access money quickly. But I would also suggest, you know, keep the bulk of it in a sort of high interest savings rate account, but also have a portion of that in cash because if you, for example, need money immediately, say something happens and you need to go address it immediately, you're not gonna be able to access it that quickly and cash on hand is a great way to resolve that particular issue. So I'd say a portion you should put You should have in cash and then I would also recommend having a portion in like a local bank where you could physically go over and take the money out walk right in and take the money out also and you know you're probably gonna have a lower interest rate on that but it's also just related to the idea of when you're in an emergency situation if you need to access money like in five minutes get that cash or go to a local bank those are the quickest ways to access money so i just say good concept in general but keep a portion of that separate in cash and in a local bank
1: gotcha Gotcha. that's good that's good advice for
2: those folks says the same thing (laughs) um so quickly like your youtube channel has a lot of great information um but are there other uh other books or resources that you look to um, when you're doing your research for projects and things that that um, that are on the horizon for you
3: yeah I mean so like we said uh, we listen to podcasts we think financial literacy is the most important thing understanding your money right because for us Aman and I no one cares about our money more than we care about our money right so it's about Being financially literate and understanding how to manipulate your money so that it can grow. So, in terms of stock market investment, I think the our go-to, like best book ever, is The Intelligent Investor. I mean, we talked about it briefly on one of our previous uh, previous videos. But this book really gets you in the mindset of how you invest in stocks. And it talks about, you know, typically people get very scared when the stock market is going down and they think, oh my gosh, I have to sell because I'm losing all my money. Whereas this book really gets into the mindset of how you're supposed to invest. When the stock market goes down, you should really be celebrating. It's like, hey, I'm getting this great deal on these stocks. So I think that intelligent investor is an amazing book for anyone that is interested in investing in stocks and I'll tell you like when Aman and I first started investing in San Diego in real estate we read the I I think a lot of people heard about rich dad poor dad that was like probably the first book that we read it doesn't have specific answers in it of you need to do this or you need to do that but again it's really about mentality and and how you should think about investing. So we read that in terms of real estate, Intelligent Investor in terms of uh, stock market. But I think those are our go-to books.
0: Yeah, for 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 real estate, I also like uh, Getting Rich One House at a Time. I think I think that's the that's the title. But you know, when we talk about financial independence, one way of pursuing financial independence is acquiring real estate and just having that you know living off of the, the rental income. So this guy's concept was that you buy one house and you buy right the first time and then you move on to buy the next house and every purchase that you make is a profitable long-term investment. So you can buy, you know, you can you can achieve financial independence with one house, right? If you buy the right house. Or you can or or, or it can take you 20 houses. So I just like the way he framed that framed that whole conversation because it really resonated with me because then I knew, okay, if these are my expenses, this is how I need to approach house buying.
3: And I'll throw one more out there and I just, love the book because there's a series of books called Freakonomics. I don't know if you guys have heard about it, but it's all about, you know, really more about how the economy works with numbers and how it impacts people's choices. And even our girls were reading the book because they found, you know, every chapter is a different story on a different economic uh, perspective. But our girls were reading it and I just so I love the idea that they loved it too. It's not a kid's book, but it just teaches you about economics in general and i
1: think that's a great book too nice you appreciate those uh those book suggestions so we just want to take this time to thank you guys for hopping on the podcast man we were so honored can you tell the people uh the ways that they can reach you and that they can uh you know check you out ask questions if, if they want or just get in contact with you
3: yeah, so we have our YouTube channel called Our Rich Journey. So if you just type that into YouTube, you'll definitely find us. And we have a website sort of that we're developing. <laughs> but um, it's just OurRichJourney.com our rich that you can go to that. And then we're on Instagram. We have Pinterest. We have Facebook. So if you just Google Our Rich Journey, you'll find us one way or the other. But we, we do a lot of our, the bulk of our work is on YouTube.
2: Got gotcha. Nice.
1: Gotcha. Well, you guys, that was another episode. And we wanted to take this time to thank, once again, Irish Journey for hopping on with us. Till next time, talk to you guys later. Peace. Yo, so we hope you guys enjoyed that podcast episode. We hope that we said something that you can take away and apply. We are here to inform and to inspire. So do us a huge favor and rate this particular podcast on whatever platform you're streaming this. Rate this five stars, write great reviews, anything that you can do to help us. We really, truly appreciate it, all right? So for Black, Married, and Debt Free, this is Marcus Murray signing off. Until next time, all right? I'll let you guys later. Peace.